the Links and Locks podcast. podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken dinner. Four. You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Oh, that's right. We are back. What's going on, everybody? This is the Links and Locks podcast presented by Bet365. I'm Jason Sobel from the Action Network. He is Ben Everall from Golf Bet. It's been a long December. There's reason to believe that this year will be better than the last. At least as far as our picks are concerned, we will get to our picks for the century in just a minute. Benny, before you say anything, stop right there. Both of us are playing a little hurt this week. So if you, if you hear some coughing, you hear some sneezing on this podcast, I, I, we apologize. I don't know what to tell you. It's winter. That said, before we get any further, got to give you guys a reminder. The Links and Locks podcast is presented by Bet365. Bet365 does not do ordinary. That's why you get more boosts with them than with anyone else. Every day, they power up the odds on hundreds of bets to give you a chance to win more. Bet365 boosts specific markets, your winnings, and even parlays, and they don't stop there. Keep an eye out for their biggest and best odds with the incredible Super Boost. Check out the boost and see why. It's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 21 or older and present in Colorado, Iowa, Louisiana, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, or 18 and older in Kentucky. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. All right. Got through that stuff. And now I can say, hello. Happy New Year, Benny. How are you? Hey, mate. How you going? How's everyone going out there? Hope you had an awesome holidays, good new year, etc. Uh, contrary to what I've heard around the place. So, yes, I have been in Vegas. No, my voice is not like this because of Vegas. Uh, sadly, I have not been able to even sniff a table despite oh. being here for quite a few days and was in bed before the fireworks extravaganza despite being on the strip during New Year's Eve and still not making it through. Uh, but you know what? Maybe everything's about to change, mate. Maybe we're going to get some absolute brilliant stellar picks out there and start this year with a high, with a bang, and uh, hopefully yeah, pick some winners for the folks along the way. Yeah, maybe and hopefully, I think, are the operative terms there. Now, we uh, look, ready to start off with a bang. Uh, 59 players. It's very interesting because this is the first of eight signature events on the PGA Tour this season. The other seven are essentially going to be limited fields from what we're used to at those events. This one is actually a bigger field. No longer is this the tournament of champions with about what, 35, 40 players. It's now a signature event just called the century 59 players in the field this week. It's actually bigger kind of makes it a, a little more fun this week. Still no cut. Uh, Benny, my question for you is, do you believe that having these shorter fields and signature events will change kind of how you look at the fields moving forward. And I'll give the example. Scotty Scheffler is right around five to one at bet three, six, five right now. If this had been a 156 man field, which granted it never is a couple I get all that, but if it was a full field, I don't know, he'd probably be eight, eight and a half, nine to one instead. Do you have more of an interest in recommending a guy like Scheffler in a shorter field at five to one or in a bigger field at let's go eight and a half to one. That's amazing. Uh, Jason, I guess you've probably been reading Benny and the bats, my column or whatever it is that, that you find at golfbet.com every week. But I started this year talking about 
when to bet the favourites, to bet or not to bet the favourite, um, essentially this season. Uh, late last year, we did the math and we worked out that had you bet the favourite every event, it was 54 events last season on the tour, mm. you would have collected uh, a tidy sum. I think it was if you bet uh, you know, $100 every week on just the betting favourite, uh, you would have made a profit of over $3,000 despite laying out 5400 So uh, is that a theory going forward? Um, and look, I've come to the conclusion that maybe not because of exactly what you're talking about. We're going to see favourites at shorter odds more often. We're going to see uh, necess- not necessarily the return. In fact, it was only eight winners that turned that that profit. Uh, and the shortest priced favourite of those eight winners uh, was plus 600. So already you're getting unders on Scheffler this week on what the trend was last year. Uh, look, again, you know me. I love myself. I love me some chalk. Don't get me wrong, I as know. you know. But there comes a point where it's just too short for me. And, and, and in fact, we're starting off in that exact scenario where the top two on the board, you mentioned Scheffler at about five to one, and you can get Victor Hovland, uh, the, the FedEx Cup champion, around eight to nine to one at most places as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think that either of them are the smartest pick, if you will, from the get-go because of those odds. Uh, I'm an advocate, as you know, of looking to use them potentially. If you do think they're going to play well, look at the smaller investment of the first-round leader and holding back uh, and waiting until the first round. In fact, my advice all year will be probably on the favourite, if it's anywhere in this short short realm, is just wait. Because people I know, you're not always used to betting after the first round or after the second round. But look, you're going to get the, the plus 500, the plus... 600 or the plus whatever after one or two rounds unless they go lights out and streak the field and if they do that well good luck to them right like that's why i said you can maybe put some money on the first round leader if you want to pick that up if they don't you're still going to get value they might be two or three behind but they're talented players you're going to get value in the chase look i i probably shouldn't say this as somebody who spends three days every week going into the opening round talking about predictive elements and analytics and trying to Uh, figure out who's going to play well and who the people out there should bet on. That said, uh, look, if, if you've got a way of doing it, if you're going to be on top of things on a Thursday and Friday and you're not, well, I'm away at work, I'm at school, I'm doing things and I can't sit there and look at a PGA tour leaderboard and look at my bets the entire time. But if you're someone who's got the time to be doing that, uh, there are so many times when let's say Scotty Scheffler this week, as an example, starts out five to one, Somebody race out to a hot start. They're five under through seven. Scotty Scheffler throws a bogey in there. He's one under one over through three. He is six off the lead. And all of a sudden he's not going to be 50 to one, but he might be six and a half, seven, seven and a half to one, like 45 minutes after he started playing. And so, yeah, it can go the other way. Sure. Where Scotty Scheffler birdies the first three and you never see that five to one number again. But at those short numbers, I'm willing to take a chance that, somebody else goes low besides the guy that you like at the top and just wait, just wait. I get it. I know we spend hours every week doing podcasts and radio shows and writing up all of our content, doing video uh, hits and and, and telling you here's who you should bet this week. Sometimes it might be better to wait until they actually tee off as opposed to putting it in on Wednesday night before they start on Thursday. Yeah. The reality is it's very, very rare that any player on the board, any player on the board doesn't at some point hit a slightly higher price than they started, right? Unless yeah. it, it, the majority of the field is going to yo-yo around like that. 
it's the beauty of golf betting. You do get that value out there. You do get those that that great movement, and you can pick up a legitimate long shot or longer shot that can actually win and, and win well. Um, it's very rare that you see a football team go down by 28 points and win, but you can easily get a guy who's five, six back after one round in a golf tournament win by two or three shots. Yeah. Uh, so these are the things you do, you can keep in mind. Um, obviously, always, you know, gambling responsibly, not putting the house on guys who are eight behind every week. But but if you just play the field cleverly and smartly, um, I think you can. Now, to me, that's the way to play the favorites. Anyway, put it like that. I know, as I said, just straight 100 every week on them last year would have done well. That might be a little different this year, um, given... Uh, as, as we said, more signature events, more limited fields, um, the, certain big names at the top uh, missing some some weeks, other than others not. Uh, and and my, I think a mate of mine would say the rule of thumb for him was with the Scheffler and whatnot. If they were double digits um, at the start, he might throw something on. If they were under, he would wait. Yeah, um, yeah. and that, that might be a quick way, an easy way to look at it. So if you can get a guy at ten to one, that's a good favourite or better. Maybe you want to throw some on if it's less. Maybe wait and see. All of that said, I am essentially betting numbers more than I'm betting names this week. I'll tell you what I mean by that in just a minute. But as we do every single week during the PGA Tour schedule, let's get to our 18 bits. We're playing 18 holes. We're making 18 bets for this week's The Century, opening up the PGA Tour season. And by the way, I love being able to say that, Benny. It's not, well, week nine of the PGA Tour season. We started back in September. It's it's the start of the year. It's the start of the season. It just feels right again. And now you're on the first tee at Kapalua where you've been before. I, I don't know that you found the fairway there, the widest fairways in the world. Even you can miss those. But uh, why don't you start us off with the play? Yeah, I can confirm I've missed that fairway a few times uh, post <laughs> the century uh, getting around in there. That's one thing I'll miss this year. Have been to many of the centuries over the years. And, and a lot of my picks, you talk about the numbers. I'm the same. I'm sort of trying to go away from those favorites, find some. A little bit of value, still relatively chalky, but with guys that I've seen play well there in person and, and things that I've noticed with guys I have an insight into. Uh, that being said, I'm going to go with my first outright option. Uh, one of the things I've, that has always been a, a, a staple of the winners in recent times has been having a great week putting. I mean, at the end of the day, you have to get the ball and hold those fairways, as you mentioned, are super wide. The, the stats do show, oh, look, you've got to be up there and stress gained off the tee. But honestly... You and I or any handicapper pretty much could hit most of the fairways. Uh, They are very generous. So the real step that you need to be worried about is getting that ball in the hole and making some putts, a few more than others, and not not messing up your chipping and around the green. So I'm going to go for a guy uh, who was sixth, I think it was, stress game putting last year, and who's just been come off a recent win, that being in South Africa in Max Homer. Uh, He was third a year ago at the Century. Um, hadn't done the, the done great there before that, but last year was different. He has a 63 in the bag uh, on that course. Uh, I think that uh, Max Homer is still building into bigger things. Uh, we know he's done well away from the majors. Now he has to do well at the bigger events uh, at the majors, and I'd like to see him do well and do more at these signature events to start with. So based on his putting and how he played in South Africa, Max Homer is an option for me at about 14 to 1. You can get him. I think he makes a whole lot of sense, Benny, this week. I I don't love the number. And again, I'll explain what I meant by playing numbers instead of names. I I think there's a lot of value in sort of the second tier this week. Once we get past not just Scheffler and Hovland, but 
I want to get past the the Homas and the Morikawas and the Obears and the Cantleys. Again, uh, you're, you're kind of bypassing a lot of guys with a lot of good chances of winning on this golf course. But once you get past them, there is some value. I'll, I'll save my favorite play on the board uh, who's in that tier for, for my last hole. But as I, I get to the second hole here, I, I'm looking at a guy who I think is going to have, I don't know if I'll call it a breakthrough year, but uh, a guy that's won twice on the PGA Tour, the same event each time, the Valero Texas Open, and a guy that I think is going to have a massive year. I don't know if that means winning a major, but I do think that Corey Connors is going to win a bigger event, maybe a signature event like we've seen, uh, you know, that we have on PGA Tour now. This is being the the first of eight of those. I don't know that this is the greatest course for Connors. In fact, I might like him better at the Sony next week than I like him this week. That said, I think he's going to knock one out of the park at some point. So I want to keep swinging. I'm going to keep swinging and I'm willing to swing and miss a couple of times if it means I can hit a home run with Corey Connors at some point soon. And so, again, it's more about the odds, 60 to 1 this week for Corey Connors, and some books have him even longer right now. Uh, more about that and getting some really good value than it is me saying, I think Corey Connors is absolutely going to win this week. I don't know. There's a lot of unknowns this week. We don't know who's been working on their games for two weeks straight and feels dialed in, who's been eating Christmas cookies for the last two weeks and is coming in 10 pounds overweight and doesn't feel great right now. So with all those unknowns, I'm willing to go down the board and play some numbers. That's the first number I'll play is Connors at 60 to one. I'm not sure. I'm not sold. Uh, it's early in the year. I won't smash your hammy for your picks yet, but I think the points that you made in the wider scope are certainly true. I think that Connors is the type of player that, you know, in 12 months time, we could be sitting there going, or even 10, you know, 10 months time, he'll be, uh, a spearhead for the International President's Cup team. He'll be, you know, in his home home country off the back of a big year. I would not be surprised if that's the case. So whether he starts it this week, I'm not sure, but I'm willing to I'm willing to to lean that he could have a big year, knowing that that carrot is there at the end of the at the end of the road yeah. uh, for the international team. And speaking of international team members, I'll go to hole three with my long shot pick of the week, and it's almost like. Uh, rinse and repeat from around this time last year where I'm going to say that Cam Davis is going to have a huge year. Look, you can jeer at me if you will because he's an Australian and whatnot, but I think there's enough proof there that last year we weren't stupid by saying it was going to potentially be a big year for him last year. Clearly, he was ill at the start of the year. He had a real problem getting over this, the sickness for a few months. The results were terrible, coming off the President's Cup confidence. But as soon as he got healthy, things skyrocketed from there. You know, maybe eight top tens or quite a few top tens to finish the year showed that he had the, the stones to, to move through the playoffs and get himself into this position to be at the Century and other signature events. Uh, started really well in the Australian Open uh, a few weeks back uh, before you know, copying a little bit of the weather on the, on the opposite course. They played two courses. Uh, I think that Cam Davis is another player that's going to take the leap, the next step uh, up again. Uh, I'm expecting big things and getting him at 66 to one this week. I don't know, a place where he's played once before and finished in the top 10. It's definitely the type of course that fits his game. Uh, I think that's great value. All right. So full disclosure, about five minutes before we started recording the podcast, I am in a industry-wide uh, fantasy league that is a, a season-long fantasy league, eight teams in the league, and you play matchups 
uh, week to week, uh, very much like you would in fantasy football. And I'm in the fourth round of my draft, and I'm going back and forth. And I got two completely different players. I got Cam Davis sitting there, who I really like, think might have a little more upside, maybe a little higher ceiling, lower floor. But I've got Denny McCarthy sitting right there, who, again, completely opposite player from Cam Davis, rolls in a lot of putts. I don't know that the ceiling's as high, but he's very consistent. And I went back and forth, and I asked you, and I wanted to make sure there are no red flags on Davis. And you said no. You said fire away. And so I took Davis. That was, like I said, five minutes before we started recording the pod. I might be regretting it already. I'm not even sure. I, I've I've looked back on every pick. Unlike fantasy football where you can do mock drafts, like I, I don't – maybe there are mock drafts available in PGA Tour leagues. I haven't seen them, so – I'm flying blind into this. Obviously, I know all the players really well. Um, I'll give you a little taste of this, by the way. I have uh, I started with the number six pick in an eight-team league, Benny. I, I know it's hard mm-hmm. without knowing the other picks, but what do you think? I've gotten Obear with the sixth pick. That's right. I went Ludwig oh. with the first one. Tony Finau, Ricky Fowler, Cam Davis. You hate it, don't you? <laughs> I love I love Cam Davis. It's a great pick. But Obear, look, he's going to be a star. One guy that's not on my uh, list this week, but he is going to be a star. There's no doubt. Players are actually fearful of him. So yeah. that's a good pick. That's a good pick. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. So yeah. in any case, we get to the fourth hole for this week. And if I can play Corey Connors, well, I might as well pick his brother in ball striking, Russell Henley, <laughs> who's essentially the same player. I mean, you want to try to separate Connors from Henley, Henley from Connors. One's Canadian, one's American. Other than that, uh, they basically have the exact same stats, and they do year after year. I think Henley's got a uh, higher ceiling with that putter. When he gets that putter going, it can be really good. Connors doesn't really have that gear with the flat stick, but he's probably more consistent tee to green. All that said, very similar players. I will go Russell Henley, top five. He's done it once before at Kapalua at plus 750, which I think is a nice number. I was going to say, my memory, I was going to start trawling through the results because I do remember him being in the mix one of the years I was there. Yeah. Uh, likely back in the Jason Day years, probably what, middle of the 15, 16 yeah. scenario. Yeah. And it was him just putting the dots off it. So any guy that can do that is someone, as I said, you should you can look into this week. And speaking of your man, Denny McCarthy, what a nice segue into a guy who puts the dots off it. Bet365's player markets. You know, the minus 120, you get the juice either side, better where they're going to finish. McCarthy is just sitting there at 29th or better. It's basically half of the field. Yeah. I do think he'll finish in the top half of this field. Uh, I think that his putting is strong enough that, that he can roll in, you know, more putts than others, and that should so it should keep him in the top half of this group. He's a first-timer, having never been there. Guys who go their first time don't generally win, but they can feel around. And if anyone's going to figure out the greens quicker than the other – um, bunch of first timers, it's probably Denny. So I saw that as an option. A good putter only needs to finish in the top half to cash uh, Denny McCarthy in the player markets for my fifth hole. So there is a ton of value in this market, Benny. Uh, I think there's a lot of value in the prop marketplace. And we'll get some top 10s, top 20s soon because there's only 59 players. I, I just feel like when there's limited fields, the, the odds makers don't adjust probably the way they should on props. And so I think there's mm-hmm. a ton of value yep. there, but I'm going to go to my favorite player finishing position bet for the sixth hole. Ricky Fowler has played this event four times in the past. He's never finished worse than sixth place. Ricky Fowler's p- finishing position at bet three, six, five is listed at 22nd or better 
fire away. I mean, quite honestly, if you were the kind of better that said, look, I don't care about having a lottery ticket for an outright. I don't care about having a bunch of, t- I just want to, I want to make my money back. I want to, I want to double my money or at least what, uh, turn into 80% more. Cause he's at minus 120 as, as are all the finishing position bets. I just, give me one bet that's going to win this week. Ricky Fowler at 22nd or better on a golf course where he contends every time he plays it is the smash play of the week for me. Again, minus 120. You're not going to make a, a boatload unless you bet a boatload, but it's a great play in my eyes. Segwaying me brilliantly across this podcast, I will move things around and I'll go to the seventh hole. I have Ricky Fowler locked in for a top 10. Uh, same things that you said. You're getting good plus money around at you know, 250, 275, even plus 300 in places for him to finish in the top 10. He's been there four times, been in the top six all the way. You could even look to him top five if you're feeling it. The reality is he loves the, he loves the island and he's made for the island. He plays well there. He's in a good mood there. He, he, he just has the, the attitude for it. Doesn't give up like some others do in these limited events, you know, where, oh, I can't win, so I'll just sort of ease back. He actually puts the foot down and tries to score low. You know, and look, I think, as I said, I've got him conservatively in the top 10 at the plus 275. I think, like you said, finishing the top 20 is almost feels like, what is it, the links and locks? Feels like a lock, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I've got him in the top 10. He's finished in the top 10 the four times he's been there. So uh, I think that trend can continue. I think, you know, he used, he's the type that would get there early, have a bit of fun, play around. I know things are different now because there's kids, family, et cetera, wives. But they're still they're still all there having a great time together. They're still they're still in that great frame of mind, and I think Fowler will again perform well. I, I look, I don't think he's going to win, but I do think he'll be right up there, yeah. um, contending and and in that sort of top five, top ten barrier. I've got a guy here, and I, I do have an outright on him just because the number was in my eyes ridiculous. I, I got him at seventy five to one, but I will play top tens on another guy who's playing here for the first time, Sahith Figala who's a guy that I like in general. I mean, I I just think he's a really good player. The one part of his game that needs some work is accuracy. He just sprays it off the tee. Well, guess what? I mean, you can miss fairways at Kapalua, Benny. I don't think Sahith is going to miss many fairways. This is a place where you can just essentially let it go off the tee and and you're going to find some short stuff somewhere. For him to finish in the top 10 this week, again, against only 59 players, it's only the top 17% of the field that he needs to be in. He doesn't have to beat 146 other players. Plus 425 feels like a really good number to step on at that one. And I will say, whether you like Figala or not, whether you like uh, some of your top tens or not, Ricky Fowler, whoever you do like this week, look at those top 10, top 20 markets. Because like I said, it feels like they are not adjusted for what is a very limited field this week that's essentially a third of the number of players that we see in some events during the PGA Tour season. Yeah, you're getting good plus money in, in both of those on certain players. Um, definitely value there. Have some, have a look around and pick who you love for sure in certain. I'll, I'll, I'll close the front nine with a top five option at, a, at only sort of five to one. Uh, and I'm going off what he was able to do, uh, I guess, last year as well. Finished in the top five and it's Tom Kim, another international team hopeful. Someone who I hope will spearhead this, the, the the team. He did open with a 65 uh, last year, so you know, first timer there. 65. Thanks for coming. 67 and a half. He's average after all. Well, then I think learning the course, as I said, you generally this is a place where 
you play once, you learn it, you start to get a feel for it, and then off you go. I think he'll be all the better for that. And look, if you want to have a double in the outright, don't be afraid because he's in that 20 to something, I believe. Uh, he's in that next tier that you get a little bit of value for what he might be able to produce. Uh, I've got him in top five. Uh, I think it was about five to one that could get around Tom King. Uh, I like that as well. Um, and by the way, Benny, um, we've got a whole back nine to to still get to. And I, I've got a little story for you that uh, it's an Australian thing. We'll, we'll get to it in just a second. But as we go to the back nine, one more reminder that the Links and Locks podcast is presented by Bet365. Bet365 does not do ordinary. That's why you get more boosts with them than with anyone else. Every day, they power up the odds on hundreds of bets to give you a chance to win more. Bet365 boosts specific markets, your winnings, and even parlays. They don't stop there. Keep an eye out for their biggest and best odds with the incredible Super Boost. Check out the boosts and see why it's never ordinary at Bet365. Must be 21 or older and present in Colorado, Iowa, Louisiana, New Jersey, Ohio, Virginia, or 18 or older in Kentucky. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. Before we get to the back nine, Benny, I've got to read to you uh, an, an AP story that came out this past week. You are Australian. That is not a fake accent, as we mention all the time. You'll make an Aussie pick pretty frequently here on the pod. This is another individual sport, but I feel like it's relevant here because I've got questions. All right, Benny. Former U.S. Open champion Dominic Team Time had a brush with one of Australia's most venomous snakes during a qualifying match at the Brisbane International on Saturday. The former world number three was a set down to Australian James McCabe in a first round qualifying match when fans courtside spotted the snake. Security personnel quickly arrived, but the umpire had to stop play as the snake slithered onto the court to the shock of the players and fans. I really love animals, especially exotic ones team said but they said it was a really poisonous snake and it was close to the ball kid so it was a really dangerous situation benny what the hell is going on in australia there are poisonous snakes in the middle of professional tennis matches (laughs) mate i think we've got nine of the top 10 most venomous snakes and 19 of the top 20 most venomous spiders in australia it's it's one of those places we've got a few sharks box jellyfish blue ringed octopus you name it we've got some intense wildlife uh, you know, cut off from the rest of the world. It's an island nation, island continent. Uh, these things happen. But uh, look, you know, you need this interest in sport, mate. The ten- tennis is trying to gear up for their first major. They're the Australian Open. They've got to get some some clicks, some headlines. So we'll just throw in a couple of brown snakes, a red belly black or oh. whatever we can find oh. and, and chuck it out there and see how they go. I'm glad the ball kid wasn't hurt or wasn't bitten. But, you know, I'm, I don't mind it going after the odd yank too. So, you know, I was trying to help out the Aussie in the match. That was good, good news. I don't care if I'm playing tennis. That was in Brisbane. I don't care if I'm in Sydney. If I'm in Melbourne, I, I'm playing a tennis match and I hear about that. I'm like, time out. I'm gone. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. I'm getting on a plane. No snakes on the plane. I, I am not dealing with this country anymore. Like, I don't, you, you get a crocodile on the court. Yeah, I'll pull its tail, whatever. You get some spiders out there. We can step on them. They're not going to be that poisonous if we kill them. Snakes start slithering around when I'm trying to play tennis. See you later. I'm out. I'm not doing that. Just check your shoes before you put them on in Australia. It's nothing for us to worry about. Oh. Usually we're, oh. usually it's all right. Check your shoes means at some point there was a time when someone went, I didn't check my shoes and I stepped in the poisonous snake that was sitting in my shoe. <laughs> yes. Yes. 
something like that. Yeah, that you know, it's been known to happen. But you know, like, you know, anti venom is there these days. You're fine. You'll be great. You just pop the hospital, pump you full of a pump you full of little, you know, concoction, and and back on the court in no time. Forget it. I'm out. Uh, <laughs> let's get let's get back to the tenth hole. Let's play the back nine here. I'm taking a good old American for my first round leader play. Forget these Australian yeah. guys. They're crazy. I'm going with. <laughs> An American, a Floridian. This guy could pull a gator tail. He probably did back in the day at my own West Orange Country Club where he grew up. I mentioned on the gimme the other day where he was 11, 12 years old. He was taking lunch money, maybe other kinds of money, out of the pockets of a lot of the members there. But Eric Cole, last year, ranked 13th on the PGA Tour in round one scoring average. I get it. The numbers are skewed because he was playing so many events. But he led the PGA Tour in total birdies in rounds under par, in rounds in the 60s, not afraid to go low. Oh, by the way, you're going to have to go low if you want to be first-round leader at this one. Probably going to take something in the 64 range, 65 on this par 73, about eight or nine under. Eric Cole can do that, I guess, his first time playing there. 50-1 to for Cole, first-round leader. Yeah, look, mate, I guess what are we doing? We're doing this on Tuesday night, uh, this podcast, and I know that um, on Wednesday – in Hawaii, they, I think they will announce whether or not he wins Rookie of the Year from last year. He's in a dogfight with Ludwig Aubert over that Arnold Palmer and Arnold Palmer Award. I bet you uh, know should he already, get that? I, should he get that award? I think this will be a very good pick. I think he'll yeah. be in. I think he'll be in great spirits, and I think that he would hit the ground absolutely running, and would all of a sudden become a, a, a very good candidate for you, first round leader. You know, um, you know who's going to win on Wednesday. <laughs> This podcast, most people are uh, listening before this is going to be announced on Wednesday. So, well, you just tell us. Just tell us. Come on. Well, I, I, I would like to. I would like to reserve my job uh, for a little while longer at, at, at the PGA Tour. Wow. Oh. Uh, but I'll just say that it's a, apparently, apparently, and this is what I can tell you. Apparently, it was a super tight vote. Um, we know that uh, Ludwig Aubert is a superstar on the rise and won the RSM Classic. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Eric Cole, before that, was the only rookie who made it through to the top fifty to be in these. Uh, signature events via that as well. So he had, I guess, the 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 quality, the quantity on the board versus the quick quality that that Aubert put at the end. So uh, it apparently is a super tight tight race between uh, the yeah. two, keep and that'll be something to it. keep an eye on for tomorrow. All right, I, I'm reading the lines. <laughs> I know who it is. I I wish I could get a bet down right now because I I, I can. I can read your mind. I can read between your words. I, I know who's going to win this one. but uh. <laughs> Yeah, I'll go to the 11th and do my first round leader for you, if you like. Um, and look, you know, as I said, I mentioned earlier that uh, I'm staying away from the favorites. And if you do like them, this is the place you can look at them. Uh, I'm not looking at them at all this week, to be honest. I think uh, Scheffler hasn't proven himself on this course just yet for the, the low odds that you're getting. Um, and if, if he does play well, great. Get on him then after, the, after a good first round or whatever else, because you know his quality. Uh, the same for Victor Hovland, who's never been better than 18th in three tries here. And in those years, there were only 30-odd players or 30 players. So Victor Hovland hasn't shown that this is a course for him yet either. Um, so I'm staying away from the two of them. But there is someone else near the front of that board that I think is an option at better than his outright odds uh, for first-round leader, and that is Colin Morikawa. Uh, Colin is an interesting character for me this week. I could absolutely agree with anyone who thinks to go in for him on, on an outright pick because of last year. He was dominating. He was killing it. And then he had an epic collapse on Sunday uh, after his new chipping style, et cetera, came apart uh, under the pressure of trying to win. Uh, I do think there's a sense of unfinished business there for him. And he theoretically, you know, obviously got the win late, late in the year last year to get over the hump as well. He could be the type that goes 
out from the front and, and does what he did for the most part last year. But he also could be a little bitten by that scenario. So if you want to stay away from him, I understand that level of thinking as well. Uh, for me, rather than jump in at his shorter odds for outright, maybe look at him as a quick hot starter. Uh, he's had, you know, seventh, fifth, as I said, runner-up. He plays well here. First-round leader option, but slightly juicier odds is where I would start with Colin Marikawa. All right. Twelfth uh, hole, you've already mentioned, Benny, that uh, you are not taking either Scheffler or Hovland, so you probably will not like this play, but we were able to get Bet365 to boost some odds for us. We did so on the Gimme this week, uh, our video show that I was doing with Spencer Aguiar through the Action Network. You can check your favorite social channels to go back and watch that show, which is evergreen until the tournament starts on Thursday morning. Scotty Scheffler and Victor Hovland, the two best players in the field, the two favorites in this field, both to finish in the top 10. We've got boosted from plus 162 to plus 176. I, again, think that's a really good number, close to two to one on both of them finishing top 10 in a 59-man field. They're really good at golf. The course should suit them. I mean, Victor's long iron should be tremendous around this place. I know that his short game's better than it was a year or two ago, but you don't need much of a wedge game around these greens. You can pretty much putt stuff. So uh, I do like Hovland here uh, this week a little bit. Top 10 for both of them, plus 176. All right. I'll let you have it. I, uh, I'm glad that you got a boost there. I think that's good, good effort. Good faith from Bet365 there too. So with that in mind, it's something that you can take a look at. Uh, I'll leave you to that one. And I'll move to a top 20 play. You know, I went to the plus the plus numbers here. It said limited field, trying to find some plus money value. Uh, one veteran that's used to play very well, that hasn't lately, but still has good vibes around the joint and probably should have a few wins there, if I'm being honest, is Hideki Matsuyama. Top 20 for about plus 130 or so. I think that all things being equal. Now, I haven't heard anything other than positive stuff out of his camp. He's supposedly feeling better. There's no neck issue, no back issue, no whatever else. Uh, if I am to believe all of that, if I am to believe all of that, then he becomes value for the top 20 market. You know, So that's one of those things. To take it with a grain of salt, to believing the team. Of course, they probably don't disclose everything. If Hideki withdraws after a round, I'm going to be annoyed. But look, you're getting value at the moment because of that, because of the fact that he's being so up and down with his, with his injuries and whatnot. If I believe the team, the values there, top 20 Hideki Matsuyama. Benny, he's basically on my do not play list. I, I just can't do it right now. He, he, he burned me too much yeah, over the last couple of years. Uh, look, if he wants to play the next three months and play well and he's healthy and he can prove to us that he's worth our money and worth investing in him, then okay, prove it to me. But I, I am not just willfully handing over my money to a book and blindly hoping that Hideki Matsuyama is healthy this week. I just can't do it. I can't do it. So, all right, we get to the... And I respect that opinion. Yeah. All right, we get to the 14th hole. I haven't made it my top 20 play yet, but again, I, I'm telling you guys, whether you like my top 20 here or whether you just find some of your own that you like, the top 20s, especially for guys outside that top tier of players, you're getting plus money on these guys, and all they've got to do is beat 39 other players. There's a lot of value here. My guy has not been scared to play against some big fields. He's already got a master's invitation in his back pocket, I believe for the first time. Played well enough to win a couple of events last year, just didn't come through and get it done. But Adam Shank is a guy that I really like for this year. I'm going to play him for a top 20 at plus 230 this week, which, again, 
I mean, you're getting more than two to one, close to two and a half to one on a guy just to just to beat a little more than half the field, basically beat like two thirds of the field. Yeah, I don't mind it. Um, I think there's definitely going to be one or two guys that are not mainstream in inverted commas in that top 20. And there's definitely going to be some value picks out of that in those in those markets. Like you said, have a look, have a crack and enjoy a pick, I say. I've realized I've done quite a few international team eligible members this week, and I'm going to go with one more here in a potential matchup that I found. Um, I really like Sungjae Im to be up and around the lead as well. Yeah. And I saw that you can get plus money in a, in a matchup with him against Fitzpatrick. Um, I, take, it, take it out however you like. I, I'm not sure that Fitz does as well on these type of courses where we're going to need to shoot 26 under. Correct. Uh, 27 under potentially, especially with no wind really forecast. Uh, I think Sungjae can go low. Has shown that he has, you know, can play decent here before. Two top tens already, uh, sixty-seven scoring average. Which remember, it's a par seventy-three, so he's nearly six under on average around this joint. I think Sungjae M with plus money matchup against Fitzpatrick is is a good one to jump on. Yeah, I agree with you on Fitzpatrick. He played well last year for seventh place, but look, he does not like tournaments where it could be thirty under winning this event. I mean, he's a guy that <laughs> wants to grind out pars and have them matter, like a U.S. Open or Bay Hill. I love them at Bay Hill in a couple months. I, by the way, just finished my one-and-done strategy cheat sheet that I do every year. You can find it at actionnetwork.com, the action app. 4,000 words breaking down, not just picks for each of the tournaments throughout the PGA Tour season, but game theory and strategies, why you should go to different players. Depends on where you are in the standings against your fellow competitors. A lot to think about instead of just blindly making picks. So, that is my shameless self-promotion there. We get to the 16th hole, and I like Ludwig Ober this year. I, I'm just going to go out there and say it. I, I think yeah. he's pretty good, Benny. Um, yeah, I don't know good. about this bet, this matchup bet head-to-head, but I'm getting Ober at essentially a flip of a coin over Colin Morikawa, both of them at minus 110. It's Ober's first time playing this golf course. Morikawa was runner-up last year. I might lose this one. But again, like some of my plays, these are more about long-term type plays. If you give me Ober at the same price as Morikawa in the, let's say what, 14, 15 events that they'll both play in 2024, I will be up for the year. You, you give me a hundred, a blind hundred dollar bet right now on a four round matchup, Ober against Morikawa every time they're in the same field over the next eight months, I will be plus money by the end of August. And, and I'm saying that right now, I might go 0-1 to start this week, but if you give me this every time, I'm going to be winning money. So Ober is a guy that I'm not fading anytime soon. I might not bet him. I don't love the number this week for a guy that's never played there before, but I'm not fading him. He's just, he's a no, Decky's a a no play for me right now. Uh, Ober is a a no fade for me. I'm just not fading him and playing guys against him. In the same wavelength there. I think that, yeah, you might, you might lose this one. You might maybe lose this week, but over the course of the year, I would say lay down Mazzea. Yeah, you'll you'll win more matches matchups than you'll you'll lose. He is an absolute stud, and I, I think that yeah, he he's he's going to be up there more than not. And it's funny because during the fall, I found a reason to fade him uh, during one of those tournaments, and it was in Vegas, wasn't it? And I was all excited because he you know he started poorly, and yeah, I told you I'd figured it out. I found the statistical anomaly and whatnot. And then he just rocketed home without even trying and, you know, didn't quite win or whatever, but he was near, he, he threatened enough to, to realize that, okay, 
maybe the stats don't even matter on this guy. Like he, he's just that naturally talented. Correct. He is going to play well pretty much every time he tees it up. Um, I'm with you. It's it's hard to fade him. <laughs> it's hard to fade him. He's got crappy numbers because he's on one of those tears and, and the books are scared of him just like the players are. But yeah, I, I'd ride him if you could or at least just yeah, don't fade him. That's a good point. Uh, all right. My outright pick, it's actually not an international eligible player. Unbelievable. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know, but if we if we, we rewound this pot a year ago, I, I probably had, I may have had this guy in the same spot. I may have, or at least I would have had him in some slot. Uh, but I'm going to go with a guy who withdrew early after the first round last year. He's a former champion. Xander Shoffley, for me, is a great pick. Uh, if you don't want the favourite, but you still want to go with some chalk, He's in that 14, 16 to 1 range. Uh, look, he's only ever had one over par round uh, on the course way back in 2018. Everything else is well under. Great scoring average. Uh, his final round scoring average is 67, but it's actually 66 for his last four if you take out the first year he played where he wasn't in contention. Um, 62 to win it when he won it in 2019. Uh, 2020, he was second, fifth in 21. And more to the point, I think he's able to get that underdog feeling back. Yeah. I think he's finally not being spoken about as much, not being talked about as an elite talent at the top of the tour. You know, we hear, we just talked about Ludwig Obert and, you know, we we're always hearing about Rory and Scheffler and Hovland and, and all this. And all of a sudden, little man X back where he likes to be, where not many people are expecting the world of him and where he's not, not quite the top echelon. That's the sort of thing that gets his, you know, blood pumping. That's what gets his, his goat up. And I really think that um, if he's able to put himself in that mindset and just look, everything that's gone on, we've scattered, you know, gone around it a lot, haven't really discussed it much in depth. But everything going on in the world of golf, uh, I think that it's time for a guy like Shoffley to stand up and, and show that, you know, don't forget me, I'm pretty good. Um, so I really like Santa this week. All right. I like that. Uh, I will go back to, as I get to the 18th hole, my last and final bet, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning, which is, I'm hunting numbers this week. I'm looking for guys that just look to have a little too much value. And I look at Tony Finau at 28 to one. And I know that the putter did not look great at the end of last season, but the ball strike numbers are still really good. He's got a pair of top tens and four career starts here. There's this narrative. I, I, I'm not playing him because of the narrative of a month ago. He said he did the Wolf of Wall Street things and <laughs> I'm not leaving. And said he's staying with the PGA Tour even though that's a, a nice, you know, hey, he gets paid off for the loyalty. That's a cool narrative. Yeah, but it's not really why you're betting on a guy. I, I'm basically betting because mm-hmm. I think it's an inflated number on a guy who's got win equity yep. in the shorter field, guy that hits the ball a long way, guy that's had some modicum of success on this golf course. And again, with so many variables, we haven't seen these guys in at least a month, if not more, for some of them. With all these variables at play, I'm willing to just say, hey, you know what? I'm blindly taking a few numbers, and I'm going to hope that one of them hits. And and for me, Tony Finau is one of those guys. At 28 to 1, I think that's a really good number. So I'm going to play him there. Benny, we cannot guarantee that all of these picks we've just made will hit. Can't guarantee that any of them will hit. We can guarantee that next week, we're at least going to sound a little bit better. <laughs> and we've been playing hurt, so our apologies on the voices a little coughing, a little sniffles here and there. So we'll get that, that ship righted by next week, but we appreciate all you guys hanging in here with us and 
for the new subscribers, the new listeners, hey, we appreciate you. And just a reminder, you can download, subscribe, rate, and listen to the Links and Locks Best Bets podcast presented by Bet365, wherever you find your favorite podcast. For Ben Everill, I'm Jason Sobel. Good luck with all your bets for this week's The Century. We're finally back, guys. Here's hoping you hit the green. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.